This is the word of God. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you, in any of you, an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt, led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? And so we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Later in chapter 4, Therefore, let us strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The Lord bless the reading of his word. Do you have any secrets Are there some things people found out about you, you would just die? I think that's probably true of most of us. There's some things we keep under wraps, either about our history, things we've done, aspects of our character. We dress for the room. We uh, put on the face we need for others. You know, this goes all the way back to the garden. 
to that moment when Adam and Eve together collapsed in sin. Before that, they were naked and they didn't even notice. As soon as they sinned, they noticed. And you know what they did, right? They covered themselves. And they hid from God. And ever since that day, human beings have been caught in this misery. We need, we are made for, we require love, intimate relationship, deep fellowship with other persons, especially God and also each other. And in order to be truly loved, you must be truly known. In fact, that's kind of the basic ingredient of it is uh, open, transparent fellowship of persons. But because of sin, we're afraid. We are afraid. We're afraid that if we were really known, we would not be loved. And we're afraid of it because it's true. There are things <laughs> that uh, if you knew you wouldn't love me. <laughs> Act just the opposite. We're afraid, so we hide, cover, shade, spin. We do this even within ourselves, according to the Bible. The heart is deceitful above all things. <laughs> Do you realize that the prophet Jeremiah declares to us that our hearts are the most deceitful things? I can lie to myself and buy it believe. This is kind of a problem. <laughs> what if everything was known? What if everything was known? Well, it is.
the Lord Jesus Christ fully and completely addresses this issue for those who are his. So that we can be free to be known and to love in spite of knowing. And that is the calling of the body of Christ to love one another as we have been loved. How have we been loved? Oh. Well, we're going to read about it today. We've been looking at the book of Hebrews where we are told to be diligent to enter rest. There's a hint. To enter a place where we can rest in security and safety in ultimate reconciliation to the living God. That means there's nothing, no barrier between us and God. Be diligent to enter that rest, we read. And so we learned that when we hear the word of God, we believe it, we trust him, we follow him. We even persist in following and trusting him through difficulties, holding firm to him who is our savior to the very end. We don't stop. And we asked, how do you know if someone's really trusting Christ? And the answer to that question is they keep trusting Christ because they got nothing else to do. They have no other solution. We become like Peter when Jesus asked him, are you leaving? And he says, then go where? You have the words of eternal life. And if we've come to understand that, we keep trusting him. And when we notice we're not trusting him, we trust him again. And then we have this word. For. And so we're going to be given a reason for striving to rest. For. Well, then there's a big surprise. Here's what, here's what comes after for. Here's why you should strive to enter that rest so that none of us fall. Why we should be looking out for each other. Are we trusting in him? Here's the reason. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. If you hear that word of God, which has all of those qualities, strive to enter his rest 
Well, let's just look at these qualities. First of all, the Word of God is living. It possesses its own power and its own purpose invested in it when God himself speaks it. Like we read in Isaiah 55, it accomplishes things. Whatever he sends it to do, it does. God makes things true by saying them. Let there be, and there was. He created you by speaking. Jesus is described as the word of God, the speech of God, the revelation of God. It's also active. This is the word energes, from which we get the English word energy. It means working. It works. It does what it's sent to do. It's effective. It accomplishes its purpose. Okay, so good so far. But then, then, here's the word of God, sharper than any two edged sword. The word sharper here is the word tomos in Greek. Tomos is at the end of a lot of English words for surgery to remove things. You get an appendectomy, and that means they take out your appendix. They cut you open and slice it off and take it out. Tomos More cutting is literally what this says. It doesn't just mean it has an edge. It means it uses it. It's sharper, more cutting than any sword ever made by man. That's the word of God. This isn't sounding so pleasant anymore. Uh Uh-huh. Piercing is what you do with swords. Piercing means to run through. (laughs) So the word of God is going to run through us like a sword, the sharpest ever. More cutting. I don't know if you've ever been cut. Well... Not like this. This is the most cutting of all the cutting instruments. It penetrates all the way through. Nothing is beyond its reach. And here's how piercing it is. Even to the division. Okay, again, we have an image that is about things being taken apart. The division of soul and spirit. That's a fine edge. That is a fine edge. The division between psyche and pneuma. (laughs) Let me ask you, do you you know where your psyche ends and your pneuma begins? Do you know the line between your soul and your spirit? No. But the Word of God does, and it is able to slice 
finally between soul and spirit. And then it says, or of joints and marrow. (laughs) It reaches everywhere between the bones of your psyche and spirit. Oh, and marrow, inside the bones. That's a sharp blade. that is not hindered by bones. You might be hiding and you might be a hard person, but the word of God will open you up. Effortlessly. It's discerning. It's sharper, more cutting than any two-edged sword, piercing between soul, spirit, joint, marrow, and discerning. This is the word kritikos. You recognize that? Kritikos? Like critical? Like critique? It's literally the word for judging. It's the ability to tell this from that, to separate the categories of things. And so the Word of God opens us up and completely evaluates everything that it finds. Thoroughly evaluating the deepest reflections and motivations, the thoughts and intentions of your hearts. That's as deep as it can go. My heart, I don't even understand my own heart, but the Word of God knows every thought, every reflection, imagination, cogitation, and intention, every motivation of my very soul is wide open by the Word of God. You know, if I want to know myself, which is a good idea, if I want to know myself, I need to know myself according to the Word of God, because it is true and truly revealing. That's the point here. It is absolutely opening. What you have here is a picture of a dissection. You know, like they do in medical school where they have the cadaver. And open it up and look at everything inside and see everything that there is. And they, I mean, it's a dissection. Everything's revealed. No creature is hidden from its sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So we're completely undone. And I mean that kind of in a literal sense, like undone. You know, we were done and now we're undone. We were made and now we're disassembled by the scalpel of the Word of God. 
before God. We are completely taken apart by God's word. Nothing and no one escapes the sight of God. When we say God is omniscient, we're not just playing around. Nothing escapes his sight. Before him, this is a more literal translation, in front of God, no one and nothing remains unseen. Now, we all know that's true, but we walk around like it's not. We pretend to ourselves in order to keep functioning that things are not seen. But nothing escapes the sight of God. (laughs) And he doesn't just leave it there. I mean, that sounds like enough to me, but there's more. He says, uh, everyone is naked and exposed to the eyes of him. I mean, this image is brutal. Our true nature, our true condition is completely known and subject to judgment, exposed. This word exposed, oh my goodness, what a word. (laughs) this is what they do with the guy in front of the judge before he's executed with the sword. They hold him and they lift up his chin to expose his neck so that it can be cut, exposed. It is brutal. Subject to judgment, to, this is to be held by the neck, to be held back, to expose the neck to the executioner's blade, to be completely at the mercy of someone. You might not know it, but you are completely at God's mercy. Before him, to whom we must give an account. Okay, so this is, our, this is our situation. We're laid out, we're sliced open, we're completely understood. There's nothing hidden, everything is known, and everything is subject to judgment, naked and exposed before God. That is where we stand. And called upon to explain ourselves. So the guy with the sword is saying, what do you have to say for yourself? We all can see what's going on here. What do you have to say for yourself? I think I'm getting the idea why later in the book of Hebrews, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of God. What account can we give? How, what do I, what can I say for myself? 
You know, this is one of my favorite texts in the whole Bible. And not because of how brutal it is, because of the answer it gives to that question. What account can I give? Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted like us, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near. This up until now sounds like something I should run from. And now he says, no, since we have a high priest, and not just any high priest, a great high priest, you know, no, one, no high priest in all the history of Israel was called a great high priest. Jesus is here. We have a great high priest, Jesus, the Son of God, who passed through the heavens. Now that should remind us of chapter 1 when it says, after he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He ascended from the grave from the experience of the judgment of our sins to the heavens, the right hand of God, the right hand of the majesty on high. So, that is our account. He says here, hold fast our confession. You know that word, Confession, it's the word homo logio, logos, which is the very word, the word of God says, the word of God is sharp, cutting, exposing, judging. The word of God in these last days, he has spoken to us in his son, who John calls the word of God. My answer to the word of God is the word of God. Hold fast our confession, our agreement with his word. And so, I got nothing left to hide. And in Christ... I have no need to hide anything. He made purification of sins so that when God opens me up and everything is exposed, God sees me behind him. God sees me clothed in clothed in his righteousness not mine. So I hang on for dear life to the confession, Jesus Christ. So when I stand before God and he says, you know, how do you explain yourself? I say, 
Jesus died for me. I got no other good answer. Only Jesus, I cling to him, the word of God, to answer the judgment of the word of God. My account for before the word of God is the word of God in Christ. So I hold fast to my confession. And what the writer of the book of Hebrews is trying to get us to realize through this harsh metaphor is hang on to Jesus because otherwise you are just opened up for judgment. He goes on, draw near to God. Draw near to the throne of grace. 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 You see, the Lord Jesus Christ in his sacrifice for sin has transformed the throne of judgment to the throne of grace. It has been turned upside down and inside out. I am in him no longer subject to judgment. It's a throne of grace. That place, the word of God, which would slice me open and find me failing, now speaks for me. It's a throne of grace. And it says, <laughs> I can come, well, this says, with confidence. Let us then with confidence. I like the word boldness. The word boldness, the word here is with no need to hide. To come with total honesty, to bring my really undeserving, out-of-place self right there in front of God. Boldly. Like I own the place. Like I belong here. Because in Christ, I belong here. And I have a real positive expectation of the grace of God in the place of the judgment of God. In, in Jesus, I draw near to the throne of grace boldly to receive mercy. None of that description of the word of God, sharper, cutting, piercing, discerning, dividing, that doesn't sound like mercy. But, because we have this high priest, what we receive is mercy. What we receive is mercy, compassion, kindness, relief from hardship, poverty, or stress. Release 
from judgment, mercy, mercy, and to find grace to help. You need help. You need help. Oh, and this is well-timed help. The right kind of help in the right time, at the right time, when you need it, help. The picture of this is this word for help. It's a nautical term, and it's the word we would use when boats, ships, would go out to rescue a ship that was in danger of sinking. Help. So they'd go out and they'd, you know, run ropes under and put two ships and they'd help the ship that was sinking to keep it from ship sinking and we receive help when we need it before the throne of grace draw near. To find well-timed help. Now, that is two commandments. Draw near, hold fast. Hold fast your confession of the word of God, which goes something like this. I'm done for. The word confession means to say the same. I'm done for. I am lost. I am dead. I am worthy to be judged by God done for. But Jesus saves me. <laughs> but Jesus died for me. But Jesus, I'm done for. But Jesus is helping me, is lifting me up, is keeping me from sinking. And I hold fast to that confession. I have no hope apart from him. And I draw near to the throne of grace, boldly, boldly. You know, the scripture says that in Christ now, God is not a father to fear. He's a father to embrace. I can address him as Abba, like daddy, father. And I can walk right into God's office. Could you walk right into your father's office? Maybe your father had an office. Some fathers, you can walk right in there. They're happy to see you. Some fathers, you, you walk into their office, you're in the way. <laughs> They're busy. They got work to do. Oh, God's busy. He's got work to do, but you can walk right into his office anytime in Christ. You can act like you own his office. You can come in there with, you know, I need candy. Daddy, hey, daddy, I really need some candy. And he's like, come on in. Come on in. Come on, sit over here. Now, what you really need is not candy. Let me give you what you really need. And we can have a positive expectation of a loving embrace from almighty, righteous, holy God 
because we are coming behind our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, his son. We find grace and we receive mercy and God now has changed from judging us to helping us to providing for us to seeing to our every need more wisely than we can imagine. Jesus is our only standing before God. He turns the judgment bench to the throne of grace. He passed through the heavens. He ascended from the grave to the right hand. He sympathizes with our weakness. He knows. He knows. He knows your frailties. He doesn't need you to be strong. He personally experienced, experienced our frailty by being one of us. And he has been tested, tempted is the word here, but it's also the word for test. He's been tested in every way, just like you. And he passed. All the tests that you failed, he passed. And so his righteousness before God is absolute. And so we receive the benefit of his life, the imputed righteousness of Christ by faith. And so I can just march right in there. You know, I sometimes say that the whole Christian life is prayer. Draw near to God is what I'm talking about. Draw near to God. You have every reason to be afraid. We are all, we are all worried about being exposed. And what this scripture tells us is, well, you can worry about that if you want to, but it's done. It's done. You are completely exposed before God. There's nothing he doesn't know about you. All those things you got to keep secret from everyone else, he already knows. And because of the sacrifice of Christ, he stands ready to embrace you, not reject you. Because of the sacrifice of Christ, he stands ready to embrace you, not reject you. And so the writer of the book of Hebrews says, come on in and hang on to Christ. Don't, don't let go of Christ. He's, he's all you've got. Come on in. He's the lamb who was slain. He's the one worthy to open the scroll. That's a scroll of judgment. And he's the apostle and high priest of our confession. He's the one that was sent by God and now has returned to God. And what does he do? He stands at the right hand of God. Well, he's seated at the right hand of God, interceding for you and me. So I'm free. I'm completely free. I don't have to hide anything. I can be open. I can be honest. I can be who I am. I know it's not perfect. I know I'm still working. And God embraces me. And he embraces anyone who calls on the name of Jesus. Father, we give you thanks. Your grace truly is amazing.
Your word is true. Lord, we thank you for the way that your word exposes us. We recognize that it was, it is good for us to be honest, to even be honest about the things we're afraid for people to know, to recognize that we stand before you open, completely exposed and covered by the blood of Christ and free from the penalty of sin by the blood of Christ. And now we stand in a position of love and grace, mercy, and help. Lord, I pray that we would cling to Jesus and more and more all the time. Amen.